Oh no, some scary clown squirted water all over my comics. Never fear, son. In Colorado, there is one place to go for all your comic needs. Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics. Oh boy, thanks, Coins, Cards, Comics, man. Oh no, there's a lady hanging off that building. Can you save her? I can't save her, but you can also save 20% by getting a hold slot at Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics. Oh no, she's falling. Did you know prices are also falling on back issues at Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics? Thanks for saving me, Coins, Cards, Comics guy. Now I can buy my son the card games he wants and the sports memorabilia my husband wants. That's correct, ma'am. Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics knocks it out of the park. So visit 6700 Wadsworth Boulevard in Arvada, Colorado. They're open Tuesday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. And tell them the real nerd sent you! For barbecue that can't be beat, try Birdman Barbecue Sauce. Available and original and spicy. These robust, full-flavor sauces have the awesome power to kick your taste buds in their face. And for that smoke and taste on everything you eat, try new Birdman Smoke and Rub. Caution! Meat left unrubbed may suffer from flavor performance anxiety. You can pick up Birdman Barbecue at local area Ace Hardware stores, Ruff's Barbecue in Golden, and the Danny Cash Hot Shop off-Broadway. You can also like us on Facebook at Birdman BBQ. Welcome to Real Nerds. I am Ryan. In front of me is Brad. That, yeah, that, that's you. That's you're, you. I'm, this, I'm that's right you this week. Right in front Sorry, of me. Sorry, I'm just used to going to James first. Sorry, and to it? my right is James. He doesn't want to show favoritism. That's all. Yeah, that's I all. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, unfortunately, I'm going to start something with really sad. Yeah. Um, um, we just got out of the Dark Knight Rises. We did, and we heard some terrible news that in Aurora at the Century 16 Theater, yeah. um, which Aurora is. A suburb of Denver, um, somebody decided it was cool to kick in the theater door, throw smoke bombs, and shoot a bunch of people. So, um, that sucks, because people just yeah. want to go see a movie, and you can't even go to a movie without someone being a douchebag. Yeah, and, and this is, we, we should say that this is recorded at 4 o'clock in the morning, and that's that's what we know as of now. Yeah, that's what we know um, of now, and hopefully... 14 oh. dead, 50 injured. Something like that. And it's, yeah. um, dude, it's just stupid, man. What is yeah. wrong with people? And it's nothing to do with the movies. It's nothing to do with the music. It's just people are crazy. Yeah. And this dude, I'm guessing it's a gentleman because they said on the news is a gentleman. Well, he was like six feet tall or something. Yeah, wanted he, to be, he wasn't a gentleman. He, he wanted to be uh, notorious and yeah. be associated with a movie that's going to break box office records. And um, yeah, it has nothing to do with how violent this movie is or, or, no. the, you know, Batman inspires violence or horrible actions like this. 
um, before it, you know, just to get in front of all of that, which will be the conversation for the exactly. next six now months. Exactly. Now, now you know tomorrow um, on CNN and Fox News and all those places is our movies make people violent. You know, because I mean, I mean, the the, the premise of the movie is uprising and yeah. you know militarizing normal people and but but to, we, we yeah. can't even look at it that way it has to be seen no. quite simply as this a is fucking a douchebag a, f- a fucked up sad person who wanted to be famous that's the only reason it's this movie that's the only reason this happens see um, i don't even think it's a sad person i think it's a fucking douchebag who's you know well, I, I, I mean that yeah, in like a mean. pathetic kind of because um, I, I felt the same way about i mean unfortunately our town has a stigma too with columbine yeah um the same thing with those guys i try to pin it on um you know doom or marilyn manson or whatever yeah. and uh I, I i'm not a big fan of michael moore but i, I agree with his argument in bowling for columbine then I if didn't. that's the case they bowled before they went and massacred their s- fellow classmates you know it's just it, it's senseless and it's unnecessary so I'm sorry that we had to start that, but I thought it was worth mentioning. Oh yeah, um, I mean we can't so, we can't not talk about um, it. I I don't uh, I don't believe in God and I don't believe in praying, but I do keep your thoughts of people that just wanted to watch a movie um, in your mind yeah. because you know yeah obviously it's a it's a horrible thing and and hopefully um, hopefully people will get through this. Well, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, we were talking about before the podcast, like, what is this going to mean two weeks from now, a year from now? Like, uh, is there going to be more security in movie in movie theaters? Yeah. Are there going to be no midnight screenings? <laughs> and that metal detectors th- at theaters now. And, and because we are, I mean, we're in Denver. We are right here where that's going to happen. We're going to get that worse than anybody. Oh yeah, for you know, sure. Like, and you're probably right. There probably won't be any midnight screenings for most of the year after this. Yeah, they're going to take those out. I guarantee yep. it. Yeah. Which is just... I wish all the worst upon this guy who did Well, this. and it was interesting because, especially with the movie that it's in front of, that this happened during, um, the, the little interview that we were listening to before the podcast where the guy was saying, like, man, the whole crowd is standing outside of the theater and they were, like, watching, waiting for them, the, for cops to bring this guy out. And they, he, he made a, a comment, like, because, man, if they brought him out through the front, the, he probably wouldn't have made it to the cop car. Which is just, like... It's both sick and twisted and wrong, and yet you can't. You know, you can't. You, you understand like that who's why been in that kind of situation. Yeah. You know, it's. Uh, my wife just said that there's a suspect in custody. So, um, yeah, you know they, what's you know what I always think is kind of ironic it, about um, criminals is they have a code of ethics too, and criminals don't put up with kind of the kind of people that do this stuff. So a lot of times, what he's saying is this guy's going to get butt fucked in in jail. Eh, yeah. Um, Good. Ask, ask Jeffrey Dahmer how his um, yeah. The nice thing is sentence went. The nice thing is at least this guy got caught. He didn't get out of it easy. Yeah. Like uh, I'm going to kill myself. Yeah. yeah. Live with what you did, you fucking piece of shit. Yeah. Or just don't do it in the first place. Anyway, anyways, we let's saw get on to our nice, we, we, <laughs> uplifting podcast. Yeah, we saw the Dark Knight Rises this week. We did. Um, and we also have an exclusive interview with Batman producer Michael Uslan, which we've been teasing. What? That's so for, awesome. Uh, a ye- uh, year, a month. <laughs> and, uh, it feels like a year. Uh, yeah, it was that long ago. So, yeah. But we also got a lot of fan mail and a lot of comments on our website. So, hey, guys, let's grab some fan mail. 
the first one we got was actually a really interesting, not interesting, a really th- well, well thought it? out. <laughs> it was interesting, but a well thought out email from Dan. And Dan said, greetings. Well, greetings, Dan. First, let me offer my appreciation for putting out such an entertaining podcast. Thank you. Though it's rare that I'm able to listen to current episodes as I don't go to the theaters regularly, that's okay. You know, we, we do spoil movies, so if but you're listening to this, before you go see The Dark Knight Rises, stop. No, 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 no. Keep listening. The way we do it is we'll, we won't spoil anything until we play the trailer. Then post-trailer, yeah. all bets are off. Yeah. So um, keep listening because we got news and stuff. It's all important for now. That's and right. he, uh, he went ahead and said, I'm sure your Stan Lee question has been answered already. But as I am ri- already writing this, I might as well share my <laughs> thoughts. In Captain America, the first Avenger Stan Lee cameos as a general attending the award ceremony for Steve Rogers. That's when he's in that movie. For his liberation uh. of the Hydra POW camp. As Lee worked That's on Captain right. America comic and resurrected the character for the Avengers, this falls within his cameo criteria. However, yeah. he does not appear in Marvel series that he was not involved in, Blade, The Punisher, etc. Um, regarding The Amazing Spider-Man, I would like to echo some of the same sentiments expressed about James Horner's pedestrian score. While I'm generally a fan of Horner's work, more so than I am of Danny Elfman's, Aww. the score for this th- film was merely serviceable and doesn't have the heart and depth of Elfman's original. See, James, I told you so. I told you so, James. I, I <laughs> so disagree. I so disagree. And, you know, I... I'll, I'll I'll put it out there. Maybe I'm just a, a James Horner fanboy, and I really like his score to The Rocketeer. But I think that score is really good. And it's, I fear it's a larger trend in Marvel to move away from hero themes. Um, I actually I would uh, agree with him there. Yeah, but I but see where I disagree is I think Captain America had a good theme, and I think Spider Man has a good theme in this one. But that's not a Marvel like. Well, I mean, it is, but I would agree that the Marvel Studio scores are not that great. Um, like Iron Man. Most the the real great fun music, especially in Iron Man One, is all like ACDC, ACDC, <laughs> and uh, Audio Slave and stuff like that. Yeah. Like um, they don't use the score for I those. Think the Avengers movie itself, though, had the like the only like really iconic standout theme. Yes. Of yeah. The Marvel yeah, movies. the Avengers score was really good P- because they repeated a lot. Actually, but yeah. it was still yeah pretty decent. Yeah, in my opinion. Um, as for the film itself, I found the Amazing Spider-Man to be quite a good action film, but not as good as Sam Raimi's original Spider-Man. I believe what was said in your podcast about Raimi's filmmaking passion showing on screen rings true. Spider-Man has character, whereas Amazing Spider-Man feels like a generic Marvel film. Hmm. Raimi was also very economic in his storytelling and able to be meaningful and concise. Example, with great power comes great responsibility. Bottom line, I I prefer the camp and the fun that the original had with cheesy one-liners and comedic characters like J. Jonah Jameson. Um the one thing I think this movie the did miss is J. Jonah Jameson. Oh, for sure. Um, and the thing is, though, it's because they can't cast better than J.K. Simmons, and they can't use J.K. Simmons. Like, I, that's that's really how I feel. I'm like, yeah. you, uh, you I, couldn't get any actor in the world who was better for that role than J.K. Simmons, and it's too much of a link to those first movies to use J.K. Simmons. I think it'd be so. all right if you put him in the second one. I, I do, too. I, I think yeah. that would be really smart. Because he, he does the voice work in Ultimate Spider-Man. That's one of the only things I like about that cartoon. And logically, like, he can't be in this one because unless Peter Parker gets an internship at the Daily Bugle, like, right. yep. he can't get a job yet because he hasn't graduated. So, And he finishes with saying, Anyway, your insights on The Amazing Spider-Man were quite interesting, and I look forward to your future reviews. Regards, Dan. Thanks. Well, thanks, Dan. Um, he's not done yet, though. He said, P.S., well, while I'm... While doing a Mar- Marvel retrospective, I compiled a list of Stanley's cameos. Should it be interested? Should uh, should, should that it be interesting? Should it be of interest? 
Ah. Um, so the Amazing Spider-Man, the Librarian, Avengers, chess player slash himself, uh, Blade one, two, and three. He is not in Captain America. He's a general. Um, and Daredevil, he's the old man crossing. I remember that one. Oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a great that's one. That's a good one. Um, Electra, he was not in obviously because Electric was a Frank Miller character. Yeah. Um, Fantastic Four, he was Willie Lumpkin. That's cr- true. I remember that's actually a pretty funny one. And uh, the second one, Rise of the Silver Surfer, rejected wedding guest. Another good one. Yeah. Um, not in either of the Ghost Riders. Um, and Hulk, he was a security guard. Again, I don't remember that one at all. Yeah. I saw the movie twice, maybe, maybe twice. Uh, in The Incredible Hulk, he was Pop Man, uncredited. Iron Man, he plays Hef himself. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, Iron Man 2, he's Larry himself. He's not in any of the uh, Punishers. It's weird that he's uncredited on Incredible Hulk. Cause he, yeah. Like, he's actually a plot element in that movie, so. Oh, that's true, yeah. Yeah. Um, Spider-Man, he's a crowd pedestrian. Um, he's in it for like a second. Like that's where yeah, the whole thing came from. Very close. Uh, Spider-Man Two. He's a man dodging debris. Spider-Man Three. He's a man in Times Square. That's actually one of my favorite Stan, uh, Stan Lee lines. Mm-hmm. Is when he looks up and he sees Spider-Man. He says, "I guess one man can make a difference." Yeah, that's love a, that part. That's a, that's Thor, right truck driver, great one. Yeah. Um, X-Men, hot dog vendor. Don't remember. In X-Men One. Yeah, he's not in X-Men Two. What in uh, X-Men: The Last Stand? He's a he's a water hose man. And he's not in first class or Wolverine. Um, he's not in first class because, yeah. I, well, I guess because it's in the past. I don't know why. But he's still creative. Yeah, so that's yeah, weird. I don't know. Maybe they just thought he didn't need it. Maybe Fox doesn't like him so much. That's That'd be crazy. Hmm. Yeah. Well, if he was in Fantastic Four, then Fox was okay with him at oh, some point. Oh, you're right. Uh, yeah. They so probably blame those movies not being good on, on Stanley. <laughs> I bet that's what it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, thank you, Dan. That was a really great email. Yeah, thank you. Is Appreciate he the Dan it. that we interviewed? Uh, I wonder. Possibly. Dan, if you're the Dan we interviewed, send us a, an email and we'll throw you in the next episode. Yeah, for sure. Um, while we were waiting for the movie, Sully tweeted us and he says, uh, uh, he said, hey, y'all, Countdown is getting near. And once again, I wish I was able to see the best movie of the summer with you. Aww. Um, well, that's quite a presumption that it's the best the... movie of the year. Oh, yeah, you're right. It is. It is. Uh, that's all we right. We may have all hated it. We could have. You never know. Um, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Also, um, Brad, did you want to read the um, one left on the website? Because it pertains to your... Oh, uh, I thought you were going to do the one that pertained to your thing about... Um, what was the movie? How come nothing pertains to Seeking a friend for the end of the world? Uh, no, I didn't even see that one. You must have deleted it. No, I didn't <laughs> delete it. Because it's He's not always deleting phone. messages from uh, friends. Some Twitter messages don't go to. Uh, but since I can't... It's not on my phone, so... You don't have Twitter on here? I do, but it's going to... You can, I mean, if you want to sit here and waste everybody's time while you're sitting <laughs> here looking for it. Or I could just... I could sing a song. Cut it out. No, I could sing a song. Well, how sing about a song? I sing a song? Yeah. Um, I, uh, the I Dark Knight Rises. Batman is a good character. He's so dark. And I really like Batman. The Batman. <laughs> okay. There we go. See, that was exactly as much time as we needed. Exactly. Wagging the dogs. Uh, I believe this was in reference to your Seeking a Friend for the End of the World review, mm-hmm. um, where you talked about you got to see it alone. I did. <laughs> um, wagging the dogs, at Wagging the Dogs, commented, At Real Nerds, there were seven people in the theater last night when I saw it. Such a shame. Completely mismarketed. Such a good film. Yeah. And I agree. It has really good parts. 
It um, does. I, uh, I, but going I would, in expecting it to be a, like a full-on comedy as I did. Um, wrong time of year. Kind of left a wrong weird. marketing. Yeah. Yeah, it was um, bizarre to say the least. So it was really yeah, confusing to watch. Yeah. So, not that I've seen it. Obviously, I haven't. But <laughs> yeah. So thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Wag- at wagging the dog, and yeah, then. Um, did you, you want to read your? Uh, I can read it yeah. since you gave my phone back to yeah. me. <laughs> um, Brad has been teasing everybody that he was going to re- release his hypothesis of what The Dark Knight Rises was about. I actually wrote plot synopsis, and then just before I posted, I was like, wait a minute, synopsis is almost <laughs> sounds like hypothesis, and hypothesis is a much more appropriate word. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he, uh, you should read it. It's kind of interesting. And you'll find maybe, of, maybe and, you... and maybe And you'll find out later if his premonitions were correct let's see uh, if i read those trailers right did, did anybody see that movie with sandra bullock premonition no i haven't i, I just remember it the one with like the Doolittle uh cover where like yeah. her face is in the tree yeah, yeah totally. that was annoying um jose luis arimana wrote son of a bitch <laughs> i'm absolutely sure you got it right from a batman fan to another if this isn't the plot of the movie i will burn down the theater <laughs> oh no Oh. Inappropriate. That's not a funny joke now. That's um, God, I feel so bad. If shit that's... is, oh man, this is. Uh, no. Well, it's already recorded, well, the, so the, it's in the podcast. Well, the dude didn't burn down the theater. Yeah. Also, Raish can be dead, and Talia seeking revenge for her father's death is a plot device of equal results. Interesting. I forgot that part of your little hypothesis. Sorry, I was opening a orange juice. What that, was that last part? Um, he put in parentheses, also, Raish's can be dead, and Talia seeking revenge for her father's death is a plot device of equal results. That's true. That is a good point that he makes. It is a very good point that he makes. Very good point. Yeah. Yeah, so thank you, everybody, who took the what time. What about other tweet? Um... Uh, he said, oh man, one hour till the movie and it's going to be the best birthday ever. So happy birthday, Sully. Yeah, happy birthday, Sully. Cool movie to come out on your birthday. I wish Spider-Man would come out on my birthday, but it's my birthday's in August. It'll never come out in August. Hey, Sully, do you want a Steelbook DVD? Or yeah. Blu-ray? Yeah, you won it. In case you haven't been listening, yeah, you you won one of them last week. Yeah, but I also sent him a message on Facebook, so he should res- hopefully respond to it. Sweet. So thank you, everybody, for tweeting us, emailing us, leaving comments on our uh, our website. I appreciate it. It makes it a lot cooler when we have stuff to talk about. Uh, this week, our friend Jesse, who has called the show before, went to San Diego Comic-Con, and he gave us a little call in and let us know what happened at the con. So A little convention that happened you yeah. know, last week. Not as big as Denver Comic-Con. No, nothing is. Of course. So, but so yeah. Uh, yeah. Here's uh, here's Jesse from San Diego Comic Con. Hey guys, it's Jesse here again. I just got back from San Diego Comic Con and thought I'd call in and give you a quick update on some of the new movies that are coming out. As we all know, San Diego San Diego Comic Con is a great opportunity to see all t- all types of multimedia. You know, comic books, movies, TV, games, everything that could be imaginable, action figures. Um, but since this is real nerds, I'll skip all of that stuff and just get to some of the top films that had trailers there this year and what some of them were about. Uh, first on the list is The Hobbit. Uh, what is there really to say about The Hobbit? If you liked The Lord of the Rings, you'll probably like The Hobbit. 
it seems to be about the same speed as the other movies. Um, they did break the book into two parts. So the first part is coming out, uh, I believe, the December, or if not, then then early next year. I wasn't really paying attention to the dates, but uh, it promises to be just as exciting as the Lord of the Rings trilogy was. Uh, the second movie is a movie called Elysium, and that is by the same director who did District 9. Uh, not much about this movie was revealed. They're keeping a lot of it hush-hush, but the basic premise is that at some point in time in the future, all of the really, really rich and important people live in a space station that orbits Earth, which is known as Elysium, which uh, is the Greco-Roman term for heaven, essentially. And the Earth is just left to languish in a post-apocalyptic sort of a sense with, you know, and the planet's unsustainable, and it's really crappy, and so all the unimportant and non-rich people just kind of languish there. I'm sure that there's some sort of a story that they're going to build that incorporates trying to break that system down. There wasn't a whole lot revealed about it. Uh, the next movie is actually seems really exciting. It's called Pacific Rim, and it's by no means a new idea. It's something that's been done for years, especially in anime. Uh, you know, something that's akin to like Voltron or Power Rangers or, uh, most notably, uh, Neon Genesis, uh, Evangelion is that, uh, monsters or mutants come from space or another dimension. And so to combat that, uh, human beings have built giant robots that they have set up to fight and kill the monsters as they come and try to invade Earth. It's, uh, it looks to be a lot of real big action, a lot of great special effects. I'm really excited to see where they're going to go with that one. Uh, another film that was uh, widely talked about is Disney's Oz, The Great and Powerful, a prequel to the original Wizard of Oz. Uh, it's made by Disney. It, the trailer looks pretty good. We'll, we'll see where they go with that. Um, the next one, which also looks really interesting, is called Looper, in which uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays a bounty hunter who is tasked with having to kill a version of himself from the future that's being played by uh, – it, it looks to be an interesting premise, you know, having to fight yourself in the future with uh, – you, you've got the problems of age, but you've also got – a little bit more experience, and perhaps you know a little bit more of what the younger version is going to do. Um, the last two films that were shown were uh, Judge Dredd, which looks to be a reboot of, uh, you know, from the original played by Sylvester Stallone. So we'll see how that one does. Uh, I'm not, I've never been huge into the character of Judge Dredd, and seeing the trailer kind of left me with this feeling of this movie could be good, it, it could be bad, it just it didn't seem like anything special. And then the last movie that was uh, shown was The New Man of Steel. I, unfortunately, was not able to see the trailer for that, so I have no idea how it looks. But I hear that it was so good that one of the fans in the audience cried, so they showed the trailer twice. Um, I have high hopes for it, but we'll see. Um, and that about wraps up all of the movies that I had seen that seemed of relevance from San Diego Comic-Con 2012. Thanks. Bye. Cool. So, sweet. Yeah. So, Jesse, obviously, got to see a 
few previews of movies like Elysium. And, so cool. Um, Envious. I keep screwing up the full name of the Oz movie. I just call it Oz. Oz the Great and Powerful. Oz the Great and Powerful. Um, and unfortunately, he didn't get to see the Man of Steel. Neither did we. Neither yeah, did we. Didn't get to see that trailer uh, that's tonight. crazy. You think he would be the guy who would, you know, run across the street and get hit by a car to see the Man of Steel trailer? <laughs> oh, not funny. <laughs> not funny. <laughs> not funny. <laughs> the show has already this got a somber tone. This is the saddest tone. episode ever. Come on, that was funny. Uh, that was really funny, yeah, though. It was, it was clever. <laughs> Thank you. Know, humor, was humor is how I deal with heavy situations. Um, but apparently, um, yeah, so he was like he wasn't joking. Someone actually did. Well, I wasn't there, so I don't know officially, but there were reports that someone was so choked up by what they saw in that Man of Steel trailer that they cried, and Zack Snyder was, like, moved by it, and he was willing to show it more than once. So It's crazy, because, you know, I don't really care about Superman, um, but because I keep not getting to see the Superman trailer, I'm starting to care about seeing the trailer. <laughs> You know what I mean? What is it with us and not being able to like see certain trailers on when they're supposed showings? to? Yeah. Well, like for Harry Potter, we didn't get to there, see the Batman. There one. was a cool one. There's a cool reason why they couldn't do it for our movie. We saw is the film stock for the IMAX was too big; it couldn't fit on the spool. Yeah. So, but anyway, so yeah, thanks Jesse. Yeah, for, thanks Jesse for calling in and, and letting us know about your amazing experience at San Diego Comic Con 2012. Yeah, we yeah. appreciate it. Calling in a second time—that's yeah. awesome. Hey, box office numbers. This is the box office stats. So, hey guys, a movie we saw last week was number one at the box office. We saw a movie last week? Oh, wait, we didn't. Ice Aww. Age made $46 million. Yeah, I bet it's great. Last week. Um, the Amazing Spider-Man held up pretty well. It made $35 million. So, go Spidey, go. <laughs> yeah. Nothing really that exciting happened. Um, uh, the only thing I thought was kind of interesting is I was telling Brad, I was looking at the percentage declines, and the Avengers is still making over a million dollars a weekend, Yeah, which is crazy with all the other movies that have been coming out, but it's awesome. That's why. So thank you, uh, Box Office Mojo. Are, if uh, uh, Obviously, it's too early to tell what Dark Knight Rises is going to do, but if Dark Knight Rises doesn't make a splash, I, Avengers takes the year. Oh, um, yeah. Um, I the think highest, well, the most popular the, and the thing is, movie. Dark Knight's really long. It's going to have a hard time beating it's, Avengers. There are more showings of Avengers throughout the day than there can be of Dark Knight. But, yeah. you know, I was also thinking, though, too, where Dark Knight might have an advantage is the summer starting to trail off. Yeah. So um, they, they might be able to sustain itself a lot longer. We'll see. Yeah. Um, or they just have a amazing weekend because the Avengers doesn't have anything behind it other than the other Marvel movies. Like, there's no... There wasn't a movie before Avengers that mm-hmm. yeah. knocked it out of the park like Dark Knight, so... No, they they said maybe there's enough fans coming back to see what the yeah. So maybe we can just like initially just yeah. Fandango says it's the most hyper aware movie anyone ever released. So yeah, I can see that for sure. It should make a lot of money. So thank you, Box Office Mojo, one more time because Brad talked over the last time I said it. <laughs> oh, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I know Brad finally talks. You know, it's, and then he talks over when I'm talking. What the I fuck? finally start yeah. to say stuff and then you chastise me for it. I know it's right? okay. We thank them every week. What I will say, that, Brad, you sound a lot better than you have for the last month. I know. I'm not coughing every five seconds. I know. It's pretty good. Yeah. People are sleeping over there, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had to knock on wood. Otherwise, we don't have a sound effect. <laughs> knock on your wiener. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> well, I did really like The Dark Knight. That's all I'm going to say. So, uh, oh, Spoiler alert. Spoiler. Jeez. <laughs> We're not even there yet. So this is what's coming out next week on Blu-ray. DVD releases and Blu-rays. 
I know you guys are excited for Star Trek The Next Generation Season 1 is coming out. Is that Google next day. week? I didn't know it was that quick. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm it's going to be expensive. Because it's going to come out super expensive. Uh, and I feel like if I wait two or three years, I'll yeah. get it for 20 bucks like I did some of the other seasons on DVD. Yeah. But I really want to see it right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's always a double-edged sword, you know? Yeah. It's really beautiful. And I keep seeing little screenshots of it. I think if it weren't Season 1, because um, Season 1 of that series is not the best season mm. like it's a, well, that's one of those shows that gets on a lot of lists of like hey skip the first season when you're first watching it um so it's probably one i'll wait on this season and when season two comes out i'll, I'll buy that one um also hero dreams of sushi is also coming out what euro hero zero Jiro, dreams of sushi i always thought it was an interesting uh documentary i wanted to see yeah it's about the greatest sushi sh- sushi chef in ch- japan and it's in a little hole in the wall at like some railway station and he's been making sushi for 70 years or something it's crazy huh. and i guess he's such a perfectionist and his son wants to take over his restaurant and he's in his 70s or 80s i forget but uh, he doesn't want to give up and he has to master the art of making sushi hmm. it's supposed to be really good i meant to see it but yeah whatever um also silent house comes out which i saw i don't think you guys saw that one no, wait is it the elizabeth olsen one yeah olsen one the one that's that's all right. one shot yeah. I didn't know. You, I didn't remember you saw that. Okay, and then also on Blu-ray, I just saw it because I like the movie Mystery Man. Also comes out on Blu-ray. Oh, oh nice. dude, yeah. I already have it on HD DVD, so I'm, I'm covered. <laughs> yeah. oh, Digital nice. Bits supplies us with all our release information. Thanks. Thank you. You Digital Bits, real news. It's real news. All right. Um, I'm going to start with my favorite uh, piece of news, not only this week, but in a wa- for a while. This is one of my favorite stories. Um, I'm going to put to rest something you guys have been worried about a lot. Uh, guess what? This week, Variety told us that The Hobbit is not going to be three movies. Oh, there you go. Cool. Now, now you know. I thought Wait. we thought it was going to be two movies. Yeah. Yep. That's what the whole internet did, what you're doing right now. Basically, Variety put out this story saying that Despite rumors, The Hobbit is not getting split into three movies, which caused a whole bunch of rumors on the internet saying that The Hobbit is going to get split into three movies. Basically, what's happening is um, uh, Peter Jackson wants to uh, get some money out of the studio so he can go back and shoot some extra stuff. Um, and it's not entirely clear whether or not this is stuff that's going to be on extended cut or if it's pickups or what, but it seems like it's a substantial amount of stuff that he needs money for. Um, and the idea is that maybe they're trying to split the second half of The Hobbit into three movies, do it as another trilogy, um, which would then come out the next year. It sounds like a horrible idea. Wait, 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 um, wait, wait, wait. They're going to split the second half of The Hobbit into three movies? That's what people are thinking they might do, so despite the fact... Movies? Four movies? Despite the fact that this all comes from an article where Variety says they're not doing this. Like, this is not somebody something anybody was worried about until Variety said it wasn't I can't even happen. follow the fucking story. I know. It's convoluted and crazy. I think That's why I love it so more much. More than enough. Yeah, because the yeah. book's what? Like, <laughs> you can't see I mean, it. I'm like book, making how thick the book the is. Like, the book is as long the, as yeah. any, of, any one of the other ones. The book is about the same length as one of the other books, except there's a lot of stuff that happens in it. You know? Um, yeah, and you they know cut what, a lot out of the books, too. You know what the, the Hobbit the book is? Boring. <laughs> no, it's not. Dude, he fights dragons and giant spiders and shit. Mm-hmm. It is more exciting than the Hobbit than the Lord like of the Rings. Ten in, ten characters that y'all you got to give 
screen time too and attention well, and develop and not, there's a not, ton of walking i bet so. not all <laughs> of the dwarves. no there there's a war and there's dragons and there's the dragon giant cool spiders mm. there's going down a river in a barrel it's awesome and there's you guys are crazy yeah yes no the hobbit is meh the hobbit's really but good. i'm hoping the movie's good <laughs> <laughs> anyway so they're they according to variety they're not splitting it into three movies oh wow cool but we shall see um the Comic-Con was last week, um, and there was a whole lot of stuff that happened there, but I feel like less less announcements than we usually get, you know? A lot of just, like, here's some trailers and little sneak peek little things. Um, oh, do you have a detail about the uh, Twilight <laughs> No, I, I didn't make it news. I did put it on Facebook, though, that um, I, I'm kind of now excited to see the new Twilight movie because they showed a scene at Comic-Con where, and go, follow me here, um, she's been turned into a vampire, right? And she runs out into the woods and, and Edward chases after her and she wants to go eat a person. But he's like, no, you can't eat a person. Eat this deer. So she goes to where the deer is and there's a mountain lion there that also wants to eat the deer because deer are constantly, you know, just surrounded with predators in the, in the wild. And she gets in a fight with the mountain lion. She and the mountain lion jump at each other, collide in midair, then they wrestle... And then she bites its neck and kills the mountain lion. And this is a scene. So you're we- saying Bella goes cougar hunting in oh. the new Twilight? Oh, cougar jokes. Yeah. Uh, I, I totally knew we were going there. <laughs> That's all I was thinking that whole time. You were uh, thinking that I was going to do that? No, I, you? I, was, well, I was trying to make my own joke of like Kim Bauer. Uh, you know, this is the Kim Bauer with superpowers. You and your story. premonitions, Brad. Uh, the Sandra Bullock movie. <laughs> uh, anyway, I, I Oscar winner Sandra Bullock. I don't know if that is necessarily as <laughs> awesome sounding as a vampire C section, but it's still it still might be enough to get me in that theater. You've seen Sandra Bullock win an Oscar, now see her in a movie she saw coming. Premonition. <laughs> Sandra Bullock serve Judge Dredd and Premonition. <laughs> anyway, I brought up all of Comic Con. So- man, I can't remember. <laughs> I brought up Comic Con so we could talk about Marvel Phase Two, um, yeah. which they gave us some details on. Uh, and basically, the the roadmap that we have now is next year, twenty thirteen, we get Iron Man three, and then we get Thor two in the fall, which will be Thor two, a dark the dark world. It'll just be Thor, a dark world. Oh yeah, that's right. It'll, it's no just two. Thor, a dark world. Um, which we don't really know what that one's about yet. Um, no. Because we don't, there's, they've, they, they still don't haven't quite revealed who the villain's going to be. Um, they also start shooting soon. <laughs> oh yeah, well, but they're they're keeping stuff hush hush. It's not like it's they good. don't know what's going on. It's just um, then the, the year after that we get Captain America in in the early summer. We get the Guardians of the Gal. Oh, and it's Captain America: The Winter Soldier. The Winter in Soldier. Summer. In summer, no, uh, uh, no, well, it's yeah. actually April. It comes out in April. I think it's April. Oh, is it early? Wow, twenty fourth or fourteenth? It's it's wow. And Thor spring. comes out in November. Really unusual times. But that's only that's movies. only like two weekends before the normal yeah. Marvel weekend. Um, so that's not too early. Yeah. And considering the fact that they may have three Marvel movies that year, that's probably a wise choice. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, but yeah, Winter Soldier is. Um, well, it's a it's a follow up on one of the characters from the first movie, and I'm assuming is going to be set in modern day. Um, it has to be, they, yeah. It's it's pretty much got to be. If um, uh, you don't know, if you want to know what the Winter Soldier is, I'm not going to spoil it on this podcast. No, um, you can pick up the first trade of 
um, Ed, Ed Brubaker's first Captain America run, which is volume six. Yeah. And it's called The Winter, the Winter Soldier. Soldier. And you should pick awesome. it up because it's amazing. And go ahead and pick up that, that one and the one that comes after and it, then too. And if you've seen Captain America and you're like, whoa, where, where does Red Skull go when the Tesseract falls through the jet? Oh, maybe you should read that comic book yeah. and you'll find out. If they really follow that book pretty closely, it's, awesome. it's going to be an awesome movie. Way better than Captain America was, especially if you're one of those people who didn't like Captain America. Brad. Um, I didn't say... What? <laughs> and if you don't like Captain America, you are a Hydra soldier. <laughs> um, I thought it was okay. By the <laughs> way, pick up those comics at Colorado just, Coins, Cards, and Comics. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> pick those up at Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics. Yeah, because you'll have to get in trade because uh, when Captain America came out, that run was extremely low. Like print run, yeah. so finding and if you find the first one, you're still gonna pay like thirty bucks for it. Well, and you'll get twenty percent off that if you have a hold slot of color coins, cards, and comics. Yeah, right. you will. Um, so then later that summer, we're gonna get Guardians of the Galaxy. It's totally confirmed. We knew this was gonna happen because Kevin Feig was not being real quiet about it. But um, they're gonna make a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. I haven't read Guardians of the Galaxy, and right now that you're not printing the trades, so. Um, <laughs> I guess I gotta find a way to get a hold of that, but it's got a raccoon in it. Yeah, Rocket Raccoon is actually going to be in the movie. I was reading um, an interview with one of the producers, and uh, what they got away from it is that they're speculating that Thanos, when he was at the end of the Avengers, is going to come. He's he's going to want to attack Earth, and the Guardians are going to try to stop him. Yeah, and that's going to just bleed into Avengers too. Well, yeah, because the. Um, the Guardians of the Galaxy is a very cosmic team. They're like this ragtag sort of team of space they're, travelers. They're space police. Who, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it seems really cool. Police. Like, uh, it seems like a more interesting idea of space police than I don't know. Green Lantern was. And if they can make Nova cool, then man, this is true. If they can make Nova, oh, there are going to be a whole lot of happy Nova fans. <laughs> um, there is three of them. No, there's not. There is really like he's like, got more popular. Yeah, he is. Well, because there was a good book of his not yeah. too long ago. But anyway. It. It's right after Civil War. Um, and then they're talking like Ant-Man might be 2014 as well. Um, after that, maybe in the fall of 2014, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, I heard the f- test footage that Edgar Wright shot is pretty badass. Did you read the description of it? Yeah. It's, it sounds amazing. Basically, it's just Ant-Man running down a hallway and he... He's running at the end of the hallway. There's these bad guys with guns, and he, he simply fights them by changing his size as he goes. So like he'll he'll be running and he's small, and so the guys don't see him coming. And then he pops up real quick, and then like lands on their gun and runs down their gun, and then pops up and punches him in the face and flips guys over and fights them, and then pops small again so they can't shoot it. Oh, it sounds so cool. What was it? Edgar Wright's quote? Like he'll kick your ass one inch at a time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It sounds awesome. I can't wait for that. Uh, and it seems like it's totally very different from the other ones, but the fact that there might be three Marvel movies that year is almost intimidating. It sounds like they may be, you know, uh, overstretching themselves, but different I'm sure enough. they'll be great. Um, and then the year after that, we'll get Avengers 2. So 2015, Avengers 2. Yep. Which, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Still no Joss Whedon signed. He's he's being a little iffy on it, but I think it's going to happen. I think they're going to throw enough money at him, and he's going to be like, What? Okay, because it's clear he loves those characters, and um, I don't think he got to do everything he wanted to with the first one. So, the Emmys uh, are coming eventually. Oh We're just going to talk real quick about the fact that the nominations happen today. They're all completely garbage. 
Um, Wait, didn't the shows you really like get nominated, like Breaking Bad and Mad Men? Breaking Bad and Mad Men got nominated, but they always get nominated. Yeah, exactly. Um, That's why the Emmys are boring as fuck. Girls got nominated, which is good, but Louie didn't. Uh, Community finally got one single nomination for Best Writing, but not for Best Comedy Series, which means it won't win either. (laughs) Um, Which is... The Emmys are a joke. Uh, and while we will talk about who won later, I'm sure, even though it will be completely boring because they only nominate like half good shows, um, it's it's just annoying. Anyway, um, Sam Raimi, you like talking about Sam I Raimi? I love Sam Raimi. Is not going to make a World of Warcraft movie. Oh no, no! I know. <laughs> I <laughs> basically like once every six months there's an article about the World of Warcraft movie, and I go, oh, they're they're still doing that. And yeah. basically what he said was, oh, yeah, I haven't been doing that movie for two years. They've had some other director working on it for the past couple of years because when he signed on to do Oz the Great and Powerful, he basically had to drop that movie. Do you know why he chose Oz the Great and Powerful over that movie? Because it's a better idea for a movie. That and The Wizard of Oz is his favorite movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, cool. Wow, well, now I'm actually more excited to see that now. How is uh, Disney making that? Because the, the classic one is a Warner Brothers movie. Yeah, there's ways around it because the characters are in public domain. Yeah. The movie Wizard of Oz is not. So he can use any of the characters he wants. He just can't make Wizard of Oz. And the stuff that's iconic about it. Because remember, too, Disney produced Return to Oz, which was Dorothy returning to Oz in the 80s. Oh, yeah. I mean, Wizard of Oz, when was that written? Like 1800s? 1800s. Very late 1800s, early 1900s. Maybe, ni- yeah, 1800s, 19-something, 1901. Yeah. Somewhere, somewhere around the turn of that century. The life of the creator plus 70 years, so. Uh, yes, but I'm going to say he was maybe old when he <laughs> wrote it. Well, even um, if he died in 1910, 1980. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's, I know they're in public domain because you can download them for free on my Kindle. All of this is to say that while I really think they could make an awesome Warcraft movie, I don't have faith yet. I need to see a trailer and see what they're doing. Um, and I'm the only one here who's actually invested in that. So, yeah, uh, yeah there's goblins. It could be about war. Yeah, I mean, is it about war. Is oh it yeah, about crafting a war. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, it's about uh, you know medieval people and monsters and stuff, and they fight, and it's going to be awesome. I mean, and unlike the movie, will have a bunch of overhead shots. And you'll just see a little arrow clicking on who to attack. And yeah. <laughs> and then at some point, the arrow will click on a sheep and then click on it again and then click on it again about eight times until the sheep explodes. That, that doesn't make me want to play the game, by the way. Well, it, it, it should. It reminds me of attacking the cuckoos in Legend of Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> fight pack. <laughs> um, well, yeah, it should. I, Laura's going to say something. That needs to be in the movie. She told me she'd... <laughs> suck my dick right now if I started playing World of Warcraft. Laura. <laughs> no, no. Family members listen to this show. Do I'm, not say stuff like that. I'm going to repeat this because what she said I am totally on her side with even though I have played pl- quite a bit of World of Warcraft. She said she would divorce you if you played World of Warcraft. Mm. Um, good girl. Um, Thomas Jane. Thomas Jane showed up at Comic-Con. He always shows up at Comic-Con. That's right. I made fun of him showing up at Comic-Con once but you never <laughs> heard him it. called him out I think. I did. Yeah, so you, called, you, called, ass. you called him a fucking asshole. I don't think I said that. You're like, Thomas Jane, you're a piece of shit, you fucking <laughs> asshole. I'm like, dude. Yeah. I mean, he said it about Aaron Johnson, so who's to say he wouldn't say it about Thomas Jane? Anyways. Then Aaron Johnson I said didn't say kick-ass. I actually, I, re- I really like Tom Jane. I really do. And I love his Punisher movie. I really do. 
I, even though I there are a lot like of people who don't. Um, well, I can't believe you're dragging me away in a car. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he made a short film. He got a bunch of cool people together, and they made a short film. And despite what Brad will tell you, it is totally a Punisher short film, uh, and it's badass. It's called Dirty Laundry. Uh, it's like 10 minutes long, 12 minutes long. And it's really cool, cooler than probably anything in that Punisher movie, to be honest with you. If it's not sanctioned um, by Marvel, it's not a Punisher film. Well, it's got so, a Punisher shirt in it and Tom Jane. So Basically, what you're saying is if you're rich and you have lots of time, you can just shoot whatever the hell you want and take it to Comic-Con and they'll show it. Yeah. Damn, and you know what? If it's rich and famous. If it's this good, who cares if it's not <laughs> officially sanctioned because it's awesome. Um, yeah, so people should, we can shoot something and show it at Denver Comic-Con. Like They're, they're asking for short films last year. Mm. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we'll have to do some shit. I know we need to make real nerds the movie. Yeah, speaking real nerds of, podcast the movie. Speaking of uh, con, Denver Comic Con, I don't think we big can talk an, about that yet. Big announcement is they announced the dates for next year. Yeah, and they didn't announce it on the website though. Yeah, they did. No, no, tsunami announced them, dude. Yeah, it's been on um, Facebook. Yeah, yeah, it's all over the place. It's uh, okay. May thir- May thirty first through June second of next year. So a little so, little so sooner. And yeah, Stan Lee is going to be there. Yeah, I'm going to score an interview with on it. Um, Stan Lee. I'm going to do it. Oh, yeah. And I want him to say, Stan, Spider-Man is my favorite superhero. And he, he'll say, you know what? I'm glad, True Believer. I want him to call me True Believer so bad. <laughs> That's like my goal. And then it, when, if I interview him, I'm going to say, Stan, I'm not even going to sign off. I want you to sign off for me. And I know you would know what to say. And he's going to say, Excelsior. Excelsior. And I'll be, yes. Thank Which you, is such man. a cool word. Thank you. So, yeah. May thirty first. I just want to. I just want to hug that man. And Guess what? Real him. nerds will be there. Yeah, we will. Gay Ron Teed. Yep. And, and that's the end of news. Very nice. Oh, except for the fact that there was, there's some silly stuff that happened because of newsroom, and I wrote a whole long blog about it, so we're not going to talk about it. Yeah. It's, um, you can read about it. Newsroom. Yeah, people on the internet are dumb. Go to realnerdspodcast.com. Guess what, guys? It's time to. Sit back, kick back, and reveal what we've been watching. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. I really didn't watch anything this week. The only thing I really watched is I watched the uh, the 12th part, Making the Amazing, on Spider-Man 2 Blu-ray. And I always thought it was the, um, the Spider-Man 3 Blu-ray where they have Sam Raimi totally hamming it up for the camera. And when he's yelling at, when he's, quote-unquote, yelling at Tobey Maguire, mm-hmm. it's brilliant. And uh, it's really funny because they have like sections and they go to one that's just called direction. And you know, it's, it starts off as a usual like fluff. Oh, Sam Raimi's such a great director. Yeah. If it wasn't for him, this blah, 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 blah. And then it cuts to Sam Raimi. um, Tobey Maguire is sitting there and he's giving him direction. Says, Hey, in this scene. And he looks over and he sees that the DVD people are filming him. And he says, Hey, and if you can't learn how to act better, then I'll get someone up here who can. And then it cuts <laughs> to a bun- And the next scene is he's hitting Bruce Campbell with a stick. Um, <laughs> so he'll say his lines. It's freaking brilliant. Um, but the, the, the making of the documentary is really good. It's, it's like two and a half hours. And wow. they go That's longer from, than the movie. Yeah, they go from the, you know, visualizing the movie, what originally was going to be in it. Um, he wanted um, Doc Ock in the first one, but hmm. it never happened. And then he was thinking about putting the black cat in it, the second one. Well, yeah, the original, like, when the, when the first version of that script got to Michael, Michael Cabin, um, it was, like, the black cat was in, was in a hole, but, like, 
way too many villains, and he's yeah. the guy who cut it all down to, to Doc Ock. And, and that's what uh, Sam Raimi said in the um, interview, too. He said, you know, they gave me the script, and it was just big. And I said, no, you need a, we need to focus on specific characters. And um, and I, I guess as soon as Spider-Man, the first one premiered, he started working on Spider-Man 2 immediately. Mm-hmm. And they said he didn't even take a week off. So he made those movies for like four straight years. Wow. Um, so it was a really cool documentary, and I watched some more of the animated series. You Batman, mean Batman the animated Batman series? The animated. I have two, and that show is great. Yeah. You just call it the Everybody knows when you say the animated series, right? Or, well, as long as the, if you're talking about Spider-Man and then you say the animated series, then people might think you're talking about a Spider-Man animated series. Really? Yeah. And then which one? Yeah. I'm just, uh, I thought that it was just so widely known, and it's so amazing that there's a star trek the animated series if you emphasize the animated (laughs) Animated series series. yeah the animated series so yeah that's it uh nothing really exciting for me this week cool he's looking at me should we talk about because we both yeah breaking bad bad breaking bad came back this week and this is the first time that you and i can talk about it like it's a thing because you have finished season four and caught up and now season five the final season starts uh and it was pretty good yeah. Right. I like thought it wasn't the scheme was a little far fetched and yeah, kind of wrapped up a little too. They're a little too invested in. Yeah, and the and the conflict itself for the episode feels a little bit like them just cleaning up the last few things from last season. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also you know it's the first episode of the last season. They have a lot, especially based on the preview that they show you at the end. They've got a lot of work to do this season. A lot of stuff they're going to try to do, and so they got to sort of get moving and they have to do it not in a way where like every episode is going to be awesome they they have some stuff they got to lay the groundwork on and and having watched it every season the way that i have um i feel like every season's that's way that way i mean you know you every season ends with a bang and then when you start the next season is a little jarring because it's like oh, okay right we're slow again we're back to the slow burn so um it wasn't like it didn't wow me from the first episode but uh i'm sure it's going to be amazing i like meth Hey. Wow, that's something you that's, don't want to admit on the podcast. No, we hey, we here at the Real News Podcast did not condone meth Mm-mm. or promote meth no, kids. Meth bad. But you but you promote a show that's about a meth dealer. Yeah, because it's great. Yeah. It's a show about building a villain. Oh, the man. intricate little details that turns a good person into a bad person. Uh, he's gonna get his comeuppance at the end of this series, I, I assure you. I I'll I'll get right into watching that show. <laughs> I I it's gonna be really interesting to see how it ends because I'm not I'm not 100% sure that you're right as far as how it's going to end. But, okay. We'll, we'll um, see. Hey, yeah. what happened to his friend? Still alive. Oh, yeah? Yeah. The only reason I know he got shot in the face is because uh, Entertainment Weekly had a like a cartoon drawing of him having a hole in his face. Wait, who? I don't know. Like, not Aaron. <laughs> no, Aaron Paul did not get shot in the face. Uh, whoever got shot. Nobody got shot. Somebody got blowed up. Yeah. Somebody got I mean. blowed up. No, I know not Aaron Paul. He's like his son, right? No, who's the, who's his like his friend? Aaron Paul's character, yeah. Whatever. Anyway, um, nobody's gotten shot in the face in a while. Oh no, I know why. What you're thinking of? It's because that character shoots somebody in the face and is defined by that moment. So mm. Uh, mm. it was probably like an artsy rendering of like him, but he's got a bullet in his head, like the guy he shot. Yeah, that that's actually kind of cool. I've seen that art. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I actually haven't seen all of season four. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> you're still missing like the middle episodes. Yeah, because Netflix. Huh? Okay, Laura says she hasn't seen any of it, so we're gonna move on. Well, I was um, gonna say that I've only, I only, because Netflix str- started streaming it the day of the premiere yeah. of the fifth season, so I rushed to see the first three episodes. Then I had to go to another place where I've, uh, 
Comcast on demand, uh, yeah, nine through thirteen, and then got to see the and oh man, I mean, <sighs> it's so good. Nine through thirteen, I I I can't wait to watch what led up to that because it's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Anyway, um, I'll just keep going since. But anyway, uh, I've been watching The West Wing. I teased this last week. Uh, and I'm well into the West Wing. I started watching it because it's Aaron Sorkin, and I love the newsroom so much. Um, and surprise, the show is great. Uh, it's a little bit dated, just especially the pilot, man. The music they use in the pilot is garbage, but uh, but it's really cool. The there have been already there have been a few really rousing emotional moments in that show where because you know it's these people who deal with some pretty heavy stuff every week and it's all unlike the, the newsroom the country yeah <laughs> yeah but unlike the newsroom where it's all real stuff that happened two years ago he's just making stuff up uh but he's really good at it um the stories that he tells especially the end of the second episode i believe it is yeah it's got to be where he's basically this character that we just met dies and he this this president that we don't even know that well has this moment where he's saying to his his aide, he's like, "I'm gonna I'm gonna blow this whole country off the face of the planet." Like, and just the way he says it, you're like, "Oh man, some serious shit is gonna happen." Um, and where that storyline goes is fantastic. Like it it's just great, and he he deals with so many characters so well and makes you like them all so quickly um, that you. You should check this out. It's not on Netflix streaming, um, so it's something you have to actually buy the DVDs of, which is a shame, but uh, it's worth it for sure. Do they talk about the East Wing at all? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. But there are times when we're in the East Wing and the president gets called oh, away to the West Wing. I didn't wing. realize that. Sorry, I was making a joke. Yeah. No, no. Well, it's a, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a thing. A, all right. Yeah. It's, too, it's a building and one side is on the West side and one side is on the East side. What do they do on the East side? The East side is where like all the... Like you know, the part. <laughs> it's where, as far as I, as far as I understand it, at least, it's where all like the, the any parties and stuff that they have, or you know, if they've got to have balls and you know that kind of stuff. The business is all in the West Wing, so the offices, you know, the Oval Office, all of that stuff is in the West Wing. Party in the front, business in the back, business Wait, in the West, the other way around. Yeah, Shit, I messed it up. Party in the East, business in the West. Yeah, it's pretty great. Brad, what else have you been watching? I just watched Breaking Bad, so... Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, short week for that. Man. Hey, guess what, though? I have to... You guys are skipping over me on Comic Corner again because Brad got some stupid fucking Batman book that I'm going to have to listen to him babble about Comic Corner. Well, I'm sorry. I chose a Batman book from my childhood to insert into the <sighs> Dark Knight Rises episode. The story he's about to tell is going to be cool. It better be cool. Oh, my God. It's not. I'm sorry. Fuck. <laughs> I thought it would be poignant to point out that... Okay, well you got to pause so we can put in our intro for the comic book. Okay, wait. You fucking idiot. What's up, nerds? It's the Comics Corner. Not, we don't have to pause that long. I thought it was going to continue. Call <laughs> me a jackass. Um, okay, so for this week's Comic Corner, um, it's not really even a recommendation. I'm sorry. But um, <laughs> then why are we talking about it? Cause we, we, because we let him tell the story. Comic book. He's telling the story. A couple weeks ago, when Jason what do you guys like call each other before uh, the show? Like this is what yeah. we're going to talk about. Yeah, that's why. That's why we're in the same clothes today. And leave me out of the uh, loop. Anyways, go ahead with your Batman. You uh, and he's I talked just about so this bitter. Weeks ago. 
Did bust we? my balls. Yeah. I remember. He's just I was so like, good. hey, Ren, uh, I want to promote the... Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Now I remember. First comic book I ever uh, held in my life. And I Which thought it'd be is, good oh, to wow. put it on the Dark Knight Rises episode. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah <laughs> this yeah. is a cool story. Let him tell the story. <laughs> that's not that cool. All right. Uh, <laughs> so, um, a couple of weeks ago, when I was talking <laughs> to you about my history of... With Batman. Sorry. I, Pause I for a dramatic... I mentioned Pause. about the history of how I got into comics. Yeah. And I totally skipped over to the fact that in 1989, um, it wasn't Nightfall Comics that got me into Batman. It was Detective Comics, Batman in Detective Comics, issue 617. I don't remember if it was my babysitter or a relative that brought over two copies of this issue that I got and then my brother got the other copy. And um, amazingly, it's an issue that features the Joker. Hmm. Um and it's from July. I guess it must have come out the same month as the movie. Oh, no. It came out in June. Yeah. The Burton movie came out. In but remember, comic books are a month ahead. So July would come out in June. Yeah. Oh. They do that on uh, periodicals because they wanted the book to stay through July. That's yeah. why everything's always a month ahead when you get magazines. So, yeah. They probably orchestrated the Joker being on there on purpose. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. I was. Um, I totally forgot about this. But, yeah, it's it's pretty cool that it's a Joker issue and it's about it. The story is not that great. Cause it's just about Batman's trying to, he's doing some detective work and then goes, get, gets a tarot reading. What? Like he's tracking somebody and then that falls through. But so he's like, I'm going to get my tarot, palm read. It's like in an, a s- bad part of Gotham that has like a tarot card. If place. Santana did it, then it'd be awesome. Huh? <laughs> if what? Zatanna. Zatanna. Oh, Zatanna. Yeah, the, the magician. No, but there was an animated series episode that was really good that had Zatanna. Really? Yeah. It huh. like harkens back to when they were children together. It was a really cool episode. Weird. But Zatanna doesn't know about... Doesn't Bruce. even know Bruce Wayne. Yeah. She knows him as someone else. Anyway, back to this issue. Batman goes, um, takes a break and gets a tarot card reading. And the tarot card talks about like, uh, I think it's called Lamat, but it's for the... Like, that's the tarot card version of the joker uh, um, and it parallels uh batman and the joker as contrasting cards and then later in the issue uh batman i don't i forget if it's a flashback or it's actually happening after the tarot card reading but as she's reading the cards it parallels this thing where the joker's doing a heist at a museum mm-hmm. and Batman's already there as Bruce Wayne doing like a benefit or something. The Joker comes in and the like reading it again, I forgot how violent it is. Like there's like people getting shot in the head and like blood splurting out and um It's after the comics code was done. Is it? Yeah. Everything yeah, you're everything right. post no code on here. By by eighty six it's over. That's weird because I've seen comics codes on recent issues. But anyway, DC, DC still submits. But if they don't get it approved, they publish it anyway. Yeah, it's it's like really violent. Like the Joker does some awful things to civilians in this in this book, and then um, uh, Batman gets crushed by a some Egyptian pillar exhibit thing, hmm. um, and like breaks his leg. And he, but he's able to like push it off of him and still take down the Joker. And the Joker's just really awful. In it. Like he's really mean. <laughs> Wow. So, and I remember being a little kid and like reading that and like, God, I didn't get that from the movie at all. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, I can't believe they're showing this in here. That's cool. <laughs> I think and it's weird. Batman's some sort of vampire. Uh, well, just it's just like that. On the, on the cover, he's, he's yeah, drawing like, I think like on a the monster. tarot cards, you know, they look like those things. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's. I think it's crazy to me that Batman would go get his go get the, uh, a tarot card reading. Yeah, um, that's that's the goofy part. Is like he would yeah take a break and like start talking to this woman, and get a reading. But there's also um, I was reading some other book from I think eighty six eighty four, uh, where Batman shows up at Gordon's office and yeah he sprawls. Gordon has a couch in his office and then Batman just sits down on the couch like Mad Men style, <laughs> Draper. Like talking to Gordon, like Batman wouldn't just like chill back like hey, that. What's going on, that Gordon? Does not make sense. Yeah, tell me about the minutes. You know, there was a. This is totally off topic, but I was reading my Mega Man comics this week. They're Mega Man comics. Yeah, they're made by Archie, so you know they're made for kids. Yeah, and the first arc is basically how Mega Man gets corrupted by the evil powers he's given from because he, you know, he absorbs powers from the Robot Masters. That's what that. Wow. Okay. And uh, so in this one. He uh, in the it's like the second arc. Doctor Wily implants a virus into the robot masters. So when Mega Man steals their powers, he gets more evil. Mm-hmm. And he literally there's a panel in it where he defeats Woodman and he says, uh, "My job is to make sure you guys are defeated." And he blows him away point blank right in his face. I'm like, whoa. Wow. I'm like, this is a panel in a Mega Man <laughs> Archie comics? I mean, this the story's not good, but you just said, you know, they showed people getting capped. And I'm like, what? And it just reminded me of reading Mega Man and being shocked yeah. that Mega Man would do that. That is, yeah, shocking. <laughs> like, point blank yeah. with his Mega Blaster. That's messed up. So anyway, yeah, Detective Comics 617. Um Written by Alan Grant and dr- penciled by Norm Brayfogle, who we just learned is uh, Walt Flanagan's favorite and uh, uh, artist. Kevin there. Smith mentioned Alan Grant's a good writer on Batman. Yeah. It's called The Clash of Symbols. Hmm, that's, that's cool storyline. I'm gonna have to go back and find. I know that I have all the comics I've ever owned, so I'm gonna have to go back and find which. the The first thing I ever bought was a. Um, it's a Spider-Man like magazine size one shot. Um, with uh, Silver Sable, is that is that her name? She just died. Um, in it, in the and the problem is, I the cover got ripped off and is missing. So, in order to figure out what issue it is, it will be kind of difficult. But you could, uh, should, I should be able out. to read it at the bottom. They usually have on the first page. Yeah, I'll have to look it up. Hey, you know That's it's a great cool. segue into our Michael Uslin interview. This one, that one, the <laughs> Batman Detective Comics from Brad's youth. So. We were lucky enough to interview the producer of Batman for 30 years. Yeah. 30, I mean, 33 years now. This is the guy who got the Tim Burton Batman's movies made, which kicked off his drive, modern. his ambition. Yeah. His quest. His quest. To see the comics version of Batman fully realized on screen. Yep, because he made an oath. And when he saw the TV Batman in the 60s, that was campy, that he was going to... He was going to make a dark Batman. And he was going to show people the dark the Batman he loved. And he made it his life quest, and he fulfilled yeah. it. And Twice, really. Yeah. Twice over, yeah. Twice yeah. over. So, yeah, guess what? We scored an exclusive interview with him at Denver Comic-Con, and we're going to play that for you right now. Enjoy. Well, I am Ryan from Real Nerds. Brad is right there. We are with Michael Uslin, amazing producer of Batman, and I also think that you have made comic book movies what they are today because of what you did and what you describe in your book, The Boy Who Loved Batman. Um, we've read it. It's amazing. Um, do you want to tell everybody what the book is about? And Yeah, yeah. Well, th- first of all, thank you guys very much. I do appreciate that. Uh, I've got one of the great kicks I've gotten uh, in recent years 
uh, has come off the internet where all of a sudden all these sites are calling me the godfather of comic book movies. <laughs> now, coming from North Jersey, I can really appreciate that. <laughs> no, that's amazing. In it fact, really for, there, for a number of years when I would go to the studio lot and I would pull up to the security gate and they would see my car had jersey plates. It was the only car they never opened the trunk. They didn't want to know what was in my <laughs> trunk. Um, yeah, I wrote The Boy Who Loved Batman. It's my memoir. It's my autobiography. And I was the ultimate comic book fanboy geek growing up. Something that I think so many people can identify <laughs> yeah. with. My hope is that every guy who reads this book will say, Oh, wait a minute. I'm the boy who loved Batman. <laughs> yeah, you know what's great about your book is as we read it, you're like, that's, I do do that. You know, it's, it's great. Yeah, oh, thanks. So, yeah. Well, for me, it was, it was, it's a little bit different because I grew up in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Yeah. So um, my era was a little bit different, but, the, but what drove all of us fanboys and collectors was, is all really the same passion. And it's about passion. This is a book that details my love of comic books how my collection grew ultimately to way over 50,000 comic books dating back to 1936. Um, 45,000 of which, by the way, I've now donated to Indiana University's Lilly Library. Oh, very nice. So that scholars, fans, uh, academicians would be able to access it and use it in the f many, many decades to come. Um, but what do you do when you have a dream? My dream was after watching in eighth grade the Batman TV show come on the air and see the whole world start laughing at my poor Batman <laughs> was to find a way to show the world through movies what the true Batman was. The guy created in 1939 by Bob Kane and Bill Finger and then expanded by Jerry Robinson. The creature of the night who stalked criminals from the shadows. The villains who were homicidal maniacs and severely deranged and um, that, to me, was far more interesting than a pot-bellied Batman with pow zaps and whams. <laughs> and uh, I, I wanted to change his perception worldwide. And that really became the dream that I set out starting in about 7th, 8th grade to, per to pursue. Wow. That, and it was a really hard thing for you to do. I mean, you've, you said in the panel today that it took you 10 years to convince people that you could make a dark Batman and not only make it, but make it good and make people accept it. And uh, I mean, how was that experience for you? Was it challenging or was it rewarding when it finally paid off? Um, have you ever been hung upside down by your ankles for 10 years? <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> okay. Well, then you can't imagine what no, it was I can't. like <laughs> for 10 years. Every studio turned me down. They all said I was crazy. It was the worst idea they ever heard. They said, Michael, you can't do serious comic book movies. You cannot do dark superheroes. You cannot make a movie out of an old television series. It had never been done. So it was nothing but years and years of doors slamming in my face. And then trying to persevere. You try to maintain a high threshold for frustration. And the key is to knock on doors. Mm -hmm. So as I say in a lot of my, I, I speak a lot at universities. And as I tell all of the students, the only thing I could promise any student graduating college is that doors are going to slam in your face, for sure. And when they do, you really only have two choices. You can go home and cry about it, or you can pick yourself up, dust yourself off, go back and knock again. And this Batman Dark franchise of movies was built on my bleeding knuckles over that 10-year period. And um, a lot of people ask me, well, what's the, what's the magic what is it about good timing and good luck in things like this? 
I said, well, really, if you keep knocking on doors until your knuckles bleed, at some point in time, you will knock on the right door at the right time. And there's your good timing. There's your good luck. The secret is, the magic is that there is no magic. Yeah, and I think what a lot of people don't know, and if they pick up your book, they'll learn about you, is your passion for Batman is amazing. And even when you read the book, you laugh out loud when you read it because there's great stories about Billy getting his comic books burned because of the seduction of the innocent. And I just love reading that stuff because, I mean, you were in a time where comic books were the worst thing that could possibly happen to children. And for you to persevere and make it your life's mission, I think is everybody's geek fantasy where you said, no, Batman's this way and I'm going to make sure he's this way. And I mean, that's a testament to your passion and your heart. And I mean, that's just amazing to me. I was lucky enough to have an amazing mom. When Seduction of the Innocent came out, there were comic book burnings going around in the United States. Most of all my friends were not allowed to bring a comic book into their homes. A lot of them were then given away by parents to paper drives or they were burned. And my mom made me a deal. She said that if I kept my comic books neat and if I agreed that I would read other things like newspapers, magazines, and books, I could keep my comic book collection. So I kept everything. I was one of the few people that ever did. It was the best deal I ever made in my life. That's awesome. Um, Brad, go I'm sorry, Brad. It's cool you kept that uh, the Joker sketch. Yeah, oh yeah, the, yeah, the Joker sketch. And how did you, what did you see in Nicholson that you knew that he would be the Joker? Because he just, because in The Shining, he upped the homicidal part of him and... I hadn't even seen The Shining. You yet. just saw the picture. All I saw was that, that here's Johnny shot. I mean, look into his eyes and his face, peering around that doorway. And I'm sitting on this. I'm trapped on a bus in New York City, just beginning to pull out to head to New Jersey. As I'm looking at this in the newspaper, and I couldn't even contain my excitement. That is amazing. It was like the longest bus ride to get to my house in New Jersey, <laughs> where I tore out this picture from the New York Post. And I whited out Jack Nicholson's face with whiteout, and I redid his lips with red ink, and I redid his hair, and then that became what I showed everybody at the studio. That's amazing. Everybody connected to the movie as to why Jack Nicholson was the only actor who could play the Joker at that time, at yeah. that era. And I passionately believed in that, and when Jack was hired, it was truly one of the great days of my career. Oh, yeah, that's amazing. Okay, uh, I know you're short on time, but I have one Dark Knight Rises question, and no spoilers, we don't want it spoiled, um, but what was the thinking behind Nolan bringing Bane into the series as an adversary? Because you mentioned earlier that, you know, the Joker that's in Nolan's could be a modern-day terrorist, and what was the thinking behind having him come in and being part of the universe? Well, the first thing you have to do is accept the principle that Christopher Nolan is a genius. I do. <laughs> and he has proven time and again now how he has an understanding of Batman. He has a passion for Batman. He has a vision for Batman, and he knows how to execute that vision. So what you need to do is step back and allow the genius at work <laughs> to do his thing. And whether it's bringing in somebody so psychologically damaged like the Joker mentally or somebody like Bane that represents a pure physical force unlike anything Batman has come up against as a balance almost to what we have seen before with the Joker is very fascinating and interesting. And that's just something that I bring from my perspective. I'm not talking for Chris at all. Um, but he deserves all the glory, all the accolades, uh, all the credit for what's happened here. 
and the what is now going to be the conclusion of his trilogy. Awesome. Um, can you do one more question? Yeah. Brad, you have one question. Brad is a huge Batman fan, and I want to see if he has a question for you. You put me on the spot there, but I, I, was, I was just going to uh, throw it your way about you not only made Batman movies, but you also got to write some of the books. So you want to tell us about your experience getting yeah. to do something so amazing like that? I can, I can do it. I'll tell you about three things, sort of. Um, one, of course, was when I was eight years old, all I wanted to do was write Batman comics. And then that dream actually came true while I was in college. And um, I had written a script for the Shadow comic book. And Julie Schwartz, who was the editor of the Batman line of books, and I believe, Stanley aside, the, was the most important editor in the history of comics, Great. who shepherded the entire Silver Age of comics with the new Flash and Green Lantern and Justice League and Hawkman and Adam, and the list goes on and yeah. on and on, <laughs> that Julie came to me and he said uh, that he had read my shadow script and said, you know, kid, it didn't stink. <laughs> and I said, oh, thank you so much, Julie. I really appreciate that. And then he said, how'd you like to write Batman? And then my buddy Bob Rosakis and I had a chance to write Batman in Detective Comics. And, uh, you know, it, it, when the issue came out, it, I was like, in tears. I, oh. I was just in tears. But then I realized this dream I had since I was eight years old had come true, and I needed another dream. <laughs> and that's when, ten minutes later, it dawned on me I needed to go back to that night in 1966 when I saw the TV show premiere and remembered my vow to show <laughs> the world what the true, dark, and serious Batman looked like. The guy was created in 1939 by Bob Kane and Bill Finger as a creature of the night. Awesome. And you can read all about that in your amazing book, The Boy Who Loved Batman. I mean, not only is the book really fun, but you have great pictures in there, and it's funny. And we really appreciate you taking time to talk to us. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Brad. Oh, Brad has one more. Have you approached Christopher Nolan about uh, possibly adapting the cricket? <laughs> I think I'll save the cricket for uh, uh, maybe Spielberg. Give, give the poor guy one shot at doing a good superhero movie. Um, but, you know, one of the other things I had a chance to write was a Batman graphic novel called Detective Number 27. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the most rewarding experiences I ever had writing comics. Um, I spent six months researching the history because I wanted to write it like the Alienist or Carter Beats the Devil or Ragtime and have Bruce Wayne involved in real situations in history with people who really lived and create a wow. new kind of Batman adventure whereby at the last second, Bruce Wayne, as he's sitting in his father's study and he's about to go, criminals are a superstitious, cowardly lot. I must be a creature of the night, something black, something terrible. And then the doorbell rings. And he closes the window, goes to leave the room, and smash, there's the, uh, the glass shatters. And he goes, stupid bird, and he flips off the light and walks out. <laughs> and from that point on, everything changes. And Bruce winds up becoming a member of a secret society of detectives. And nobody used their names. It was only numbers. And he became detective number oh, 27. Amazing. So that was great. Last thing, which I am not allowed to talk about, I have written the first issue of something new. That's going to be coming out regarding Batman, and I can say no more about that. Well, awesome. <laughs> um, time will tell. Awesome. Thank you so much. I mean, this is a huge honor because, like I said, you said it. You're the godfather of modern comic book movies. We won't have anything without you. Uh, thanks, guys. Oh, wait. Uh, can you do one more question? It What's just that? hit me. What's that? I'm sorry. I know I'm totally taking your time. Spider-Man is my favorite hero, and you collected so many comics. What's your favorite Spider-Man comic? 
My favorite Spider-Man comic was issues 17, 18, and 19, which went into the end of Spider-Man and Spidey Strikes Back yep. when, when Steve Ditko was still doing it. I just couldn't wait for every next issue to come out, not knowing if this was really going to be the end of Spider-Man. This was in the days before superheroes got killed every year yep. and you know, gave awesome. up their careers and stuff. So. It was so exciting at the time. Yeah, sorry to geek out there for a second. I know you're really busy, so thank you for spending time with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Thanks. Good luck to you guys. Thank you. Don't forget, July 20th, there's a movie oh. coming out. Oh, you know what? On July 20th, we already got our tickets to see it in IMAX. We will IMAX. be there in real IMAX. Fantastic. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Brad. That was an amazing interview that I did with the amazing Michael Uslin. <laughs> it was amazing, Ryan. I know. I can't believe how many times I said amazing. Now that I've called it, people are going to be like, oh, my gosh, you did say amazing like 15 times in a 10-minute interview. Yeah, it was pretty bad. It was. But the interview was amazing. Thank you. <laughs> Man. No, it was a fun interview, and he's really fun to sit down and talk to and really energetic. And Yeah, and that's just a snapshot of the amazing stories he tells. <laughs> uh, he have, like, we got to see him at the Mile High Comics uh, promoting his book and then also at his panel and it's like he covers like his life growing up and it, he just tells the most interesting stories and in in he's very engaging as he presents them. I agree. Um, and, it's, and it's funny because I feel like he's somebody that I, I'd heard his name before this all happened but I don't think that anybody really appreciates exactly what he's done yeah i mm -hmm. mean it really is uh something special and we wouldn't be talking about all the stuff that we enjoy every year and you know there wouldn't be a marvel phase two or marvel phase one if not for the fact that he pulled that off um so yep. thank and you i learned Michael so much Houston. about the history of comics listening to him in just a few short days yeah and seriously yep. go check out his book yeah go buy it's it. really it's good it's a fun read it's yeah. really it is. It's really good, and it's really a lot like his stories where they're really breezy but have lots of information in it, and it's really easy yeah. to read. Yeah. He he's a great through, storyteller. He lived through some fascinating history. Mm -hmm. um, and so. He's gotten some incredible opportunities. And you know what the cool thing about him, too, is if you, you give him a little question, and he gives you a great answer, and he always mm -hmm. has fun things. Uh, I love the cricket one because he, <laughs> uh, he has a little zinger in it. So it's a little personal one, yeah. Yeah, so... Thank you, Mr. Uslan. We really appreciate it. It'd be cool if he came back next year. I'd love to talk to him longer. Yeah, oh, yeah. absolutely. So he should. Well, his uh, his son was there, too, and mm -hmm. he invited us to... Have drinks with him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> send him an e email sometime and check out his uh, his his company that he runs, uh, converts print media into digital. Yeah. So it's graphically. Cool. Com. Yeah. Com it's company. It's awesome. Yeah. And, and he was a nice guy too. Uh, while his oh, yeah. while uh, Michael Euston was signing autographs, he literally talked to us for ten minutes about. Oh, yeah. He's like, "Hey, what do you guys company, do?" Like, yeah, he said, yeah, "Oh yeah. yeah, I come to Boulder. My company's based out of Boulder. We should go get drinks." It was crazy, yeah. crazy nice guys. And his introduction to his father at his panel was really, really touching. Yeah. yeah, really touching. And you know, I'm getting older. I cry at everything. I almost cried. <laughs> He's also good. You know, well, and it was Father's Day weekend, well. so it was kind of neat. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. So anyways, we saw probably this movie's probably going to flop and it's really <laughs> sad that it's going to. Um, Actually, I think it totally deserves to flop as a piece of shit. Wow. Well, I don't believe you for a second. So <laughs> we saw The Dark Knight Rises. Now, I'm not going to say, hey, Rich, because you don't know this. Hey, James, because you don't know this. People need to see this movie. I mean, yeah. come on. Is, is it really something you no, for me? The question, is, didn't like it. the question is, Brad, you love this movie. How much did you love this movie? 
Okay. Um, I've been struggling with how to, like, this is so epic that I feel like I have to give my answer in a very epic fashion. <laughs> I will say this. It is very confusing and messy to watch. It is very, um, uh, what a bad hater held together. With string, There's so with much going on. Yeah. It's very epic, but at the same time, I felt like it was very awesome yeah. to watch. And especially the third act after, like halfway through, I was like, okay, this is kind of standard. Like Batman begins. And then third, the third act is very impressive. Yeah. James. Um, I love this. I there there are a few little things that um a few little places where I see that messiness come through. Uh but I while I'm watching it, don't give a shit. <laughs> it is so much fun to watch. Um everything that's happening is awesome. And even though I knew what was going to happen most of the time because I know these stories, uh I I was so excited to get to see it. It everything that I would have wanted uh, you know, every time that I thought like the next beat should be this, and it'd be so cool if this were the next beat, that'd be the next beat, and it was it was um, fulfilling, for sure. Uh, uh yeah, it was really cool. Um, <laughs> I'll get into it more. My my favorite part actually of the movie didn't happen on the movie screen. Is I was sitting next to my wife, and she was reli- uh, she was living these moments that I knew. I mean, they were told in a different way, but I kind of yeah. knew were happening, and so it's cool to see my wife's reaction to it. And well, and again, if you have never listened to our podcast before, we spoil the shit out of movies. So after the trailer, if you haven't seen The Dark Knight Rises, go see The Dark Knight Rises. Come back and uh, see if you agree with us or not. And The Dark yeah. Knight is a movie that has important reveals, so yeah. you don't want to spoil it for you. Yeah, 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 exactly. So hey, here's the trailer. Even even if you know these stories from comics, I you said don't here's want... the trailer. You okay, stop talking. Right. Storm coming. You sound like you're looking forward to it. I'm adaptable. What are you? I'm Gotham's reckoning.
warned me about getting into cars with strange men. This isn't a car. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I was unleashed with him in his place. Oh, oh man. <laughs> um so first of all, I'd like to actually maybe I'm alone on this, but our audience was actually very nice. <laughs> our yeah. audience was awesome. Our audience was fantastic. Yeah. Be- I, I think it took them by a little surprise because there was no uh there were no trailers at all. No trailers. So yeah. people were kind well, of I was shocked. It, it put me in a mumbling. weird place. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't I don't like, like no lead into trailers. this. It's yeah. Just, yeah. It just starts. <laughs> Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> no FBI warning. Yeah. <laughs> Just start and the nice thing was is that it doesn't start the way that like Dark Knight was, does, where it starts on an action beat and is just like tense for the next two hours. Like it, it you know, sort of rolls into what it's doing. So, um, anyway. um, the thing I left out of my uh, beginning review is um, I definitely need to see it again because I don't know mm-hmm. about you guys, but I felt like the sound system in that theater was miscalibrated because the yeah. music. Like, not only was Bane very hard to understand a lot of times, um, every character, I think, had... I actually didn't have a hard time with Bane because Neither Bane, to me, sounded really? like ADR. So, Bane, well, yeah, to me, Bane. the audio was already kind of weird, so it was like... there. But there were other characters who would say little things, and I'd be like, uh It's yeah. almost like, yeah, Bane's uh, mask kind of amplified his voice. Uh, well, it's it's because they, they ADR'd him. Oh, like, yeah, I know. I mean, I'm so, guessing that's why... He talks that way though, because it still yeah. kind of sounds like it's a mechanism. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. He sounds like but he's talking. Uh, getting to the movie, it um, it's two hours and forty five minutes. It didn't seem like it was that long. Um, no. It's constantly moving. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's, there's a like lot no of stuff time. that they're doing, and and, like and I mean, I, there were, there was a point at which I felt like, oh yeah, I've been here for a really long time, but I I was hoping I'd only been there for an hour because I was like, this I don't want this to end anytime going, soon. That's going. for sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I was shocked that uh, Bruce Wayne started off injured. Yeah, yeah. But I, I thought he would. He was going to get the shit kicked out of him by Bane, yeah. and that's why he was injured. But he's he was from his I mean, fights, and that happens. But it almost makes it worse that basically just like, well, the stuff that he was doing in the first two movies has really worn on him, and now he's worn out, and so he's almost like he starts, you know, a, a few steps behind. Like this is it's not like the the Dark Knight that we know from the end of the Dark Knight that is on top of everything. Like he's been out of the game for eight years. And he has, uh, and has worn like, out. I thought he'd be doing like little, like, oh, I'll catch this robber thing, like, yeah. sco- scoping out Gotham. Yeah, this he, movie says he hasn't been doing anything. Yeah, he just because he has needed to. Like, be after, since since Harvey Dent died, like, the, Gotham has become a nice place, um, which was an it, it was fascinating. Like the fact that we don't even see Bruce for and, a while, and like, one too, because you never picture Gotham that way. To me, yeah. I've every time you see Gotham, it's always overrun by crime. There's always you know something going on, and. Now it's to, to see it that it's clean and that mm. there's not as much uh, cr- crime is is kind of bizarre. When I you think it's party. Uh, someone states that there's. I think one of the officers states that there's still like little pockets of like you know like jewelry yeah. heist and stuff, but nothing yeah. Like yeah. on an well, epic scale. Yeah. They're not trying to be crazy about it, but yeah. it's not. It's not the like. It's not a utopia um, yet, but it's not the complete dystopia that it was in Batman Begins. Yeah. And I, I, I kind of like that because it means that when I go back and watch The Dark Knight, that choice that he makes at the end is going to have a lot more weight because I will realize like, oh, this is actually going to be impactful. Like this is actually going to help Gotham a whole lot, and I'll understand why he did it. Um, and, and too, when you think about it, uh, it's really the first superhero movie. I mean, there's some of them. Movie. Uh, you know what he means? Comic book movie. <laughs> That a lot of times the hero has fun being the superhero. Yeah. Um, 
Bruce Wayne did not ever enjoy being Batman. He did it as, you know, vengeance and things like that. And then when that ended and he didn't want to do it anymore, a lot of times they'd carry on, you know, he'd still show up and, but no, he, you're right. He just cold turkeyed it and yeah, it also, but also made him worse than he possibly could be because, um, you know, part of his being such a recluse is that he didn't train as hard as he did. But when he started training again, he didn't need the brace anymore. He didn't need all that stuff to become Batman again. Yeah. Is awesome, um, and I, I love Catwoman. Ah, a uh, she was not Catwoman in this movie. She was only Selena Kyle. Never well, referred to as Catwoman. <laughs> she's got ears. I'm just gonna say that. <laughs> and they talk about her as a cat burglar. She has a I great think. ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she's in very tight clothing the whole time, which is nice. But um, that, like, that character was one of the ones that I was most worried about. Like uh, having because it could be sort of a cheesy character, and it can be. Uh, a lot to ask of an audience to add another character. You know, there's a lot of new stuff in this movie, but I, she was just so much fun. Especially the first time she jumps backwards out of the window, I was like, holy shit, this is a comic book movie. You know, in a way that the, the past movies haven't even felt. But, like, seeing somebody jump backwards out of a window feels like this is Batman the Animated Series. You know, like, that was just great. And, and um, she also had an interesting arc. Yeah, where you know she was kind of flirtatious, like Catwoman. She's flirtatious, but she's also really dangerous. Yeah, I mean, she set Batman up, uh, you know, just so she wouldn't be killed by Bane's henchmen. And um, yeah, it's interesting. It's an interesting uh, take on it because I also thought, it, you know, when you're watching that scene, that it was kind of too easy that Batman made it down there, and that she's the one who locked him into basically an arena with Bane. Yeah, yeah. it was really cool. They basically just yeah walked. Yeah, the sewer system. Well, and because at that point, like you started, that was right about the time you started to trust her, and exactly. that's when she betrayed. Kind of pulled the rug out you from know? underneath you, um, and bad man. Uh. Yeah, and that was uh, my one of my favorite parts. The, the fight was awesome because I, I love now sometimes when they take away um, music <laughs> and fights and just make it all about the punching and the kicking and and it wasn't quick cuts. It no. was it was long shots of like. I don't even know how he did it, but it just felt heavy. Yeah, it wasn't like, stylized. Bane feels it was just so like, heavy. It was just real. Yeah. You know? Especially in the fight later, man. Oh, man. Like, but, when, Bane, when Bane first gets his mask a little bit cut later on, uh, and he just gets furious, like, the punches against Batman felt like, oh, he's beating the shit out of Batman, you know? But when you, when he... If you watch, though, when he broke his mask, Bane lost all cool and he was not hitting Batman yeah. instead of being the calculated brute physical force he right. was in their first meeting he started over I don't know he was swinging getting furious. It was, yeah, yeah. yeah so Batman used that against him but yeah. you know there's a great uh as I mentioned my wife earlier I loved um when he picked up Batman and put him over his head I'm like, oh my god, he's gonna here it he's comes. Gonna, here it comes. He's yeah. gonna break his back and Nightfall number yeah. I forget which one it is. Sixteen? It was twelve. <laughs> And 12, he, 11 or, oh it's 11 it's 11 and he or 12 doesn't really break his back but he he dislodges a vertebrae, a vertebrae. He dislodges a vertebrae um, but you know he's bent over his knee and i my wife go, gasps and puts her hand over her mouth <laughs> and I was, I was like that is so cool because i mean uh, 
to me that's an awesome fanboy moment but yeah. for someone who experiences that for the first time yeah to see batman literally broken and it almost feels like the three of us got robbed because we knew exactly <laughs> what we were about to see yeah like, before it happened it's gonna happen and but she... as soon as like that camera moves up and he's in like is this it? Yeah. Is he going to do it? Or is he I just mean, a toss him aside? No. Yeah. <laughs> and the way yeah. he picked him up yeah. was... Yeah. And the shot was like, I'm going to bring you down on my knee. Yeah. And you just the knew... The was like the crack, 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 crack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Word, word balloon, whatever. <laughs> yeah. It would have really been a betrayal if, my, <laughs> if Michael Yuson had let them put in word balloons there. Yeah. So then, it, you know, the part that... Actually, my favorite part of the movie um, was when Batman was put in the prison that Bane in quotation marks escaped from the 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 kind of like a Lazarus pit. The Lazarus pit. They he used it as a the Lazarus pit as a metaphor because Razagul, you know, is he's immortal. That, that's his mortal. He goes in Lazarus pit. He comes out and he's crazier, but less yeah, uh, less for six hundred years. Um, so they used that. And how could they do that in the real world? And uh, it wasn't um, Raish who. God, was making that. It wasn't Raz or Raish who came out. It was Bruce Wayne came out, and he was more determined than ever. And that's my favorite shot in the movie is Bruce Wayne standing heroic and ready to come back. Yeah. But here's my problem. Like, first of all, we should ask the medical expert, if you get your vertebrae dislodged and then set, how long did this finale last? Like, 30 days? No, 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 no. There was a shot on the TV. It said day 84. Oh, did it? It's like 150 days. Because I thought the bomb... Oops. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The bomb was ticking for five months. Yeah, because they said that in the thing. Like they said days. it was gonna eventually um, leak. I guess. Yeah, like five when, when it, whenever it died down, which was gonna take about five months, that's when it was gonna blow up, whether okay. they hit a button or not. Well, so if he had was eighty-four days in a prison with no medical facilities, just a rope and some hanging. Uh, well, to be honest, like anytime you mess with the spinal cord in that way, because nerve cells do not regenerate themselves and they actually don't grow very well. If you dislodge the vertebrae in that way where it's visible in his back, the chances are you sever the spinal cord. Um, and if you didn't sever the spinal cord, you snap several nerves in those lower extremities. So in real life, he would never regain full use of his legs ever. Wow. Um, but this is Batman, and I don't care what my wife just said. <laughs> I Bruce, Wayne Batman. Bruce Wayne is such a badass that his nerves <laughs> yeah. regenerate. That's that, what we just learned. He had accelerated healing factor like Wolverine. Um, and that leads me into my most annoying part of the movie. So he gets out of the Lazarus pit and starts walking towards whatever foreign city. It looks like he's on an entirely different continent. Yeah. And then he shows up like a minute later talking to Catwoman, uh, finds her in the middle of no man's land. Uh, not a minute later because he leaves and it takes him a couple weeks to get there. But it doesn't translate that like that. No, like, you're right. Like it, the whole movie moves so fast. Yeah. Like it feels I see, like I got it. It was like H- a no, no, no. way. And that was one where I was willing to forgive it because basically like next they show us the scene with Selena Kyle and then it's just like, okay, Batman's here. So this is what's happened. The one that bugs me he is. He just finds her in the middle of this huge city all of a sudden. Yeah. The one that bugs me is that there is a, there's a subplot Maybe earlier. Maybe she's wearing her pearls. There's a subplot earlier regarding, um, it, it's sort of how, Batman gets drugged back into all of this because um, Catwoman uh, is stealing his fingerprints for these other people, and we don't really know like who this guy is who's hiring her or what his involvement is with Bane, and and it doesn't try to set any of that stuff up, um, and so it's really confusing when there is a scene where she goes in and steals some stuff from this guy and runs away, and then Bane's henchmen show up, and Batman is just suddenly there to help, and that's the one where I was like. 
Uh, well, yeah. like, that was the one where it really threw me off. with people just showing up. Like, yeah. when Gordon goes to that other police officer's, uh, Matthew Modine's character, his door, suddenly John Blake and Miranda Tate are standing outside. Oh, yeah. Like, I <laughs> yeah. guess they were in the squad car and they rolled up with Gordon. I don't know. Yeah. But pacing it's, it's and, one like, of those things where it's like... This whole movie, like, that's... As great as it is, there's just things like that. It's like, okay, this is happening, and that's happening, yeah. and then... They uh, just like the whole romance with Miranda Tate, like that develops in one scene, and and it's one of the things I think is actually dealt with least the uh, the most poorly I should say For something that's is because a like, very important that, part of the movie. Yeah, like their relationship early on, I was like, this is going to be really interesting. I can't wait to see how at the end when it's revealed who she really is, how that's going to come back together and how that's going to affect Bruce, and it doesn't. Like, basically, when she turns, she turns, and she is suddenly, like, an really evil Talia al Ghul, which I think is less interesting than an actual Talia al Ghul. Um, you know, if she were uh, involved in it, but not necessarily the most evil, you know... Um, but at the same time, if you do that, but then it takes, me, a, though, it takes away from the Ra's al Ghul so immortality I, I thing. Think, so. I, I don't know. I don't know if I just added the stuff in my head or something. But to me, through the whole movie, she really wanted to meet Bruce and she really wanted to see him. Like everyone said, Oh, she's really lovely. You should meet her. Yeah. And so to me, she was using Bruce to gain his trust. So when she did turn on him, she, he would never expect it. He would never expect her to do it. So that's when he's welling on Bane and he goes in and he threatens to kill him. And uh, he, he wouldn't expect her to be the one who turns on him. And I, I can see that. And I think that's probably the right way for them to have gone considering the fact that they are even in this movie really trying to sell this whole like he was really in love with Rachel Dawes and there will never be another woman he can actually love. So if if he's not actually in love with Talia al Ghul like I think Batman should be, then it's probably okay for her to just be a villain. But um, I, I thought that by the end it wasn't as interesting as it could have been. Um, but still, man, the last hour, 40 minutes or so is just amazing. Well, she sold it. Like I was ready to assume that there's no Talia al Ghul in this movie, but... Yeah, I always. Turns, I was like, "Oh my god, I'm an idiot." Especially when Bane like says, "Like grab her, where she's coming with us." I was like, "Yeah," because you got to keep your boss real <laughs> close, you know. Like I, I, I knew. And how great was Killian Murphy just showing up oh, as the yeah. judge? Oh, that was so I'm so like, glad the audience. Said. The audience like applauded yeah. when he showed up because it was so great to see him again. I was actually halfway through thinking like, this movie's a little like kind of off to me because the pacing is so strange. Like everything's moving so fast. Mm-hmm. I think it's like like an omen, like because Killian Murphy's not in the movie, and then all of a sudden he's <laughs> like, "Oh, here we go." <laughs> yeah. His costume design Good was luck so charm. cool. Yeah, like and, yeah, the uh, you can choose death or exile, and then you see what happens in their <laughs> exile, and then Jim uh, Jim Gordon says, "I'll choose death." He's like, "Death." By exile, <laughs> <laughs> they only have one solution. It yeah. was so good, man. Uh, uh, and that was another thing, like. He's Bane is giving this speech about like how he's going to give the, you know, he's going to give Gotham back to the people and all this. And it rolls into a montage of suddenly Gotham is entirely apocalyptic. And there's a room where they've set up this courtroom and all this shit. And it was like they, unlike in the dark Knight, where I felt like they really humanized civilians in this one, it doesn't do that at all. You know, like, like the Dark Knight, you've got that ending where there's the two boats and that choice, you know, where these regular people are going to have to make this heavy choice. I expected a moment like that here where the people who were not named characters were going to have to, uh, they were going to be in, in a situation because of this whole 
uh, bomb threat that was going to really humanize what was going on. And that didn't really happen. It was like, okay, Gotham is an apocalypse. Batman has to come back and save it. And it was sort of a shame because by the end it was just like, oh, he has to save these. It was like the only way they humanized it was through those kids on the bus. Um, Mm. (laughs) No, you guys guys pick up and keep talking. talking. But you were were the one talking. I wanted to make sure it wasn't my mom wondering where I am at 6 o'clock in the morning. I'm sorry. Uh, So, yeah. And then the ending was really cool. Um, (laughs) Because I I always said Robin was in the movie. Ah, Which is still a little weird because, like, in the comics he's not named Robin. No, but, but in the cares? movie they say like yeah he's yeah his but real name is anyway I'd rather not have a circus boy show up as Robin yeah, yeah I true. think that this origin story is cooler than any of the Robin origin stories um, yep so yeah look forward to that and it's, I mean um, they haven't said anything like they're actually going to make that uh, another movie as a sequel to this I would I would love it if they did yeah that, like that was sort of the thing that kills me about it is that it ends and I'm like no this isn't a finale like this is you got to keep going because the is, next story is so cool. It is an end for Batman. Except that Bruce should totally like be involved and show up and help him. Yeah. Michael Caine was really good in the movie. I yeah. forgot to say that uh, oh. I loved his, you know, so some the, of his little bit he was little bit it? he yeah. was in, you know, I was surprised how little he was in. Yeah. yeah. Well, but he gets some real good speeches. In he there, does, yeah. you know, basically saying, what are you doing, man? You're an idiot. <laughs> yeah. And he was for a little bit. And it kind of bugs me that basically the whole second half of the movie is literally a ticking bomb. I I, I wish they had come up with a cooler, especially like, yeah. But at the same time, th- there is a moment near the end when they flood that room at the end, there was a moment where I was like, oh, oh sh- sh- shit, there's nothing to do. <laughs> they can't win. Like, they're, like I, I, I felt they're like gonna they- are going to kill Lucius Fox. I'm like, no. Yeah, yeah, I was like, they're going to kill Lucius Fox. They're going to, they really just beat Gordon the shit out of die in the truck, like when yeah. it goes yeah. over and kills, uh-huh. what's her name? Um, yeah, like he, like, Talia oh, Hadoop. that's the tragedy. Like, it's not Batman dying. It's yeah. Gordon dying. So shit. And then nobody dies. Spoilers. Mm-hmm. But nobody yeah. dies in that movie, which nope. is crazy. Well, the villains, maybe. Well, well the villains. Actually, yeah. actually, a lot of people. This was something I, I, I wanted to talk about, and then of course, what happened at the beginning of the podcast makes it a little bit different. But one of the things that that does bother me about the movie is there's the scene where they um, Bane goes into Wall Street, and well, it's not Wall Street; it's Gotham, Wall Street, whatever that is. Um, and like, first thing that his guys do is just start shooting people in the crowd, um, and. It was disturbing when I when I saw it, and this is obviously before we knew what happened in real life. Um, but there was something about the way it was shot; it was just so in your face, as like here are some terrorists. They walk it into a room and started shooting people, uh, and they do it more than once. And usually, they shoot into the crowd and then start shooting their guns in the air. And it was, but it was still, it was so. Like that kind of stuff happens in movies, but usually the way it's handled doesn't feel as real as this and so i'm going to say what i said about dark knight which is that this movie is a rated r film i think no i don't think so they cut away like there's a lot of action in the movie and yeah gunplay that's like cut away it feels very weird to me like i kind of need to see some of those violent resolutions to some of the scenes otherwise i feel like it's purposely just like oh this shot needs to be pg-13 we need to make this piece and like this stuff that i feel like 
my brain needs to. I think that there are some of those things that they cut away from because of what they do in those shots that I'm talking about. That if if they had given you the more violent resolutions of like, you know, watching Bane break a guy's neck, that then they would have had an R for sure. Oh yeah, easy. Oh, yeah. So I I think that they they cut away in those moments so that they could have other moments that were also really violent and disturbing. And I'm just I'm just saying like, it bothered me. Um, this is not to say that anything of what happened was because this movie is violent or <laughs> that violence in movies causes these things to happen. I'm just saying it, it bugged me for sure. Well, and see, plus, to me, it's, it's the, who, sorry, who's the character of Bane is. I mean, yeah. he, he doesn't care. No one's making a point like, yeah, this isn't the Joker playing games. This is the guy who's like, I have a plan and you're right. You're I'm right. not going to, I think it was just something about the way it was shot that, that honestly, when it happened in the movie, I was like, ah, settled. Well, yeah, yeah I was, you, I was, hopefully you're not, you know, settled for yeah. Bane you know you, do, you, do, you don't want to you want to be unpredictable yeah and I mean that's too why I think Nolan's villains work so well scary. is because they don't do the Bond villain thing but it's I, I feel like I, maybe it's just that I'm used to when they want to do that in a movie they will build tension the way that the Dark Knight does rather than just showing bad guys killing people you know mm-hmm. and it I don't know it it bothers me and I guess it should, but I, I think it bothers me in a way, not not in a storytelling way. It bothers me in a movie-making way. Hmm. So, How convincing are the special effects in this movie? Very. Great. Yeah. The only time that it was ever waxy was Catwoman on a on a motorcycle rolling over. And I was yeah, like, ah, CG. Sideways, yeah. Yeah. Still wasn't bad, and only once, yeah. only once at the end. It was like, ah, that was a little weird, but... Yeah, better than that is awesome. All, when, when all of the, the bat, the fly, the bat plane, basically, um, looks that great, who cares? Yep. Yeah. Man. I thought there was an actual bat plane flying around. Yeah. Practically. <laughs> I, yeah. I never even Very thought about yeah. the Very fact that that was going on. And Joseph Gordon Levitt's character is fantastic through the whole movie. Yeah. yeah. Cool to have a cool little sidekick like that. Laura yeah. has something she wants to say. So I think I mentioned this earlier to you guys, but like, I honestly feel like those of us like me who know nothing like I've watched about the, the Tim Burton Batmans but I think I got a lot more out of it than you guys did personally I thought it was amazing remember at the end of the movie Ryan was like you didn't know that like Bane breaks Batman's back and I was like no <laughs> like you didn't know that that one chick is that is that guy's daughter I was like no I didn't know that <laughs> like it was like I don't know I was on the edge of my seat the whole movie and it was awesome and super thrilling that's it awesome that's so cool I envy you I, know, I really I do. I was you. <laughs> I know. Going in cold. Well, it's like cold. it's like somebody who gets to watch Star Wars for the first time, you know. So my hypothesis was pretty pretty close, damn close, close. especially yeah. that moment when 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 uh, he calls the the bat plane the bat, and I was like, yeah, there, there's Brad. Well, they call it the bat in like all the production notes and stuff. So oh really? Yeah. Oh okay. Uh, See, so I didn't know that. Wasn't really a secret. So, I always, I always thought like, well, no, the so bat plane is compliment. called like the bat plane. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, and, and, you know, you know, like you were wrong about the like underground fans of Batman being that it was just the cops. Yeah. Just they the were cops, literally yeah. underground. So I like uh, how they, uh, treated the, um, the symbols as like markers for like, they weren't, yeah. Here's yeah, it's, remember it's Batman, Batman stands it was just for. like, we're checking off this part of the street. Yeah. Yeah. Like Batman's check this part, but like the, yeah, the rebel police are Batman and, um, and, that also and it's like, in white chalk, so who is really the white knight of Gotham? <laughs> <laughs> and I also liked uh, the fact that Ra's al Ghul was an apparition of yeah. Batman's stress. I yeah. love that he showed up, though. 
that, that, that scene when he Liam just... Liam so cool. Mm. Though, kind of cut weird. Like, when it all of a sudden happened, I was like, okay, I'm pretty sure that the way you cut this, it's got to be a dream, but it was just like, See, hey, he's here. Not to me, because remember, in Batman Begins, he enters the same way. He does, yeah. He comes but out of the darkness and into the light. It was more about the way it was cut together, not the, the I swear I saw a different design. fucking movie than you guys. <laughs> I'm, hey, I, I love the movie. I, I know, I, I'm just, yeah. you guys are saying all these, like, parts, I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure that worked well. Maybe I'm just, you know. Yeah, like, I, I really got to see it again, because also we were, like, really close. Like, I thought we had great, like, the perfect IMAX seats, but I think we were probably a little too close. I wish I was back maybe two rows, so... Like it's a lot to take it because this is yeah. an epic movie. There's a lot to watch, yeah. and uh, the sound was off to me. So and I, I, I should say I can't that wait to see it again on like a regular screen. You should, if you have the opportunity, you need to see this on IMAX. Oh yeah. That said, IMAX is definitely amazing. The sort of unfortunate thing about it is that because he doesn't shoot like not a, it's not always that an entire scene is an IMAX. Sometimes like an establishing shot will be an IMAX and then the scene won't be or the sh- the next shot won't be and then the next establishing shot will be and that can it can go back and forth between IMAX pretty often. Um and unfortunately the non-IMAX stuff is not as crystal clear on a big IMAX screen. So I'm sure that on a regular screen it's going to look amazing and I can't mm-hmm. wait for that. Yeah, every but, time it switched there's like a little like lens blur yeah, that yeah. like it was changing. Yeah. But uh, still amazing, and the IMAX stuff is uh, so good, so good. Anyways, you can find us, realnerdspodcast.com. You can email us directly, realnerds at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, real underscore nerds. You can call us, 720-6nerds5. What am I missing? Twitter? Tweet. No, I said tweet. Whatever like we're missing. Facebook. Is- where's the real nerds podcast you can find us anywhere yeah real nerds podcast on internet go next on week, internet find us real nerds podcast next week we are seeing the watch oh we are yeah oh maybe i'll go on it vacation has chosen it has been chosen <laughs> that's the only thing coming out isn't it yeah. i think so yeah so um until next week bye bye until next week same bat time same bat <laughs> podcast <laughs> nice.